0: Many of us, especially in the Western evangelical church, it has become more about knowledge cramming equals more spiritual than to actually look at your heart and life of obedience. So over the next three weeks, we're going to look at this of what is Jesus inviting us into? Because if we're honest, the result of this knowledge-based Christianity is many of us have become spiritually fat. What I mean by that is we know all the right answers. If you were to take an exam on biblical literacy or you know, whatever facts in the Bible, you might pass, but we're still just as anxious, worried, and spiritually dry as someone who never heard the gospel to begin with. So my question is, how do we bridge the gap from right here to right here? How do we bridge that 18 inches and actually walk with Jesus as he designed us to? So Here's the main point tonight. Tonight, we're just going to look at the invitation that Jesus gives us to a life of following him. Next Tuesday night, C.J. Kilgore. Give it up for C.J. He's going to be talking about how a true disciple is someone who abides with Jesus, and then we're going to wrap it up with a true disciple is someone who blesses others and multiplies themselves. There's so much we could talk about this topic, but I think it's absolutely critical that we at least cover these few things right at the outset. So let's take some time and look at Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let's pray together. Father, this time is yours. We've come here with the hope of hearing from you, meeting with you together. Father, the truth is for us to be transformed by you, to truly meet with you, requires a submission to what you've told us in your word. And Father, quite honestly, this discussion about what it means to actually be a disciple is uncomfortable at times. It's challenging at times. But Father, I'm just so thankful that this is all rooted in your love and grace to us. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for your word. Pray that we would tonight not just hear it, but then go and do it. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. There's a few things I want to pull out from this passage here. The first is don't spectate, follow. A true disciple doesn't spectate, he follows. Look back again at verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. We have to understand here, what does Jesus mean when he talks about the word follow? Follow. Our idea of learning slash following is really all messed up when it comes to our culture. We learn and we follow by listening slash watching somebody talk about something. For example, like a TED talk. That's how a lot of us learn or by listening to a professor up in front of us. This is how many of us have learned to follow and learn. To follow now means to click a subscribe button on Instagram or TikTok and now you are following this person. For us... In the Western civilization, following has become much more only about information transfer. That's not what Jesus is actually talking about here. The disciples who would have heard this initially were understanding that Jesus was inviting them to walk with him and learn as they walked with him. This type of following was an on-the-job training. He's a, he is inviting them to learn in the trenches life what it actually looks like to be a disciple unfortunately many Christian groups um, and churches are full of people who think of discipleship through this western lens of teacher student we think if we can just get right, the right curriculum or hear the right preacher or read the right book that the things that we struggle with the things that we have a hard time with will be cured and we will become like super Christians right Oh, have you read this book? Totally change your life. That's how we are. And while all those things have their place. If you know me, I, I love to read. I love to listen to sermons and podcasts and those things are important, but that does not fully encompass what Jesus is inviting us into. He's inviting you and I, those who would actually want to be his disciples to take up their cross and walk with him each day In the highs of life, in the lows of life, in the exciting times of life, and in the mundane times of life. See, one of the biggest problems with our Western lens of discipleship is that it inadvertently creates spectator relationships with Jesus and his people. When it's all about information transfer and not life transformation, Christianity has been relegated to something we consume, not something we live. It makes it where Christianity is really just about what we get out of it, instead of us being fully restored in the gospel and living as God designed us. It creates bandwagon fans of the gospel who will come to church to get their Christian fix while it feels like they're winning and then leave when it's time to sacrifice for the gospel. You know, recently I watched the end of the Detroit Lions and LA Rams playoff game, which was amazing. If you didn't watch it, you really missed out. Um, Do we have any Detroit fans in here? Like one, way to go Sam Elliott, yep, there's one. I'll be honest, watching that game, I was a Detroit fan because I wanted to see the Lions win a playoff game, the first playoff game they've won in 32 years. Looking across this room, I don't think there's even a person in here 32 years old. So that means like, goodness, they haven't won a playoff game the entire time all of us have been alive. Now, if you don't like sports, Track with me just for a second, please. You'll, this will make sense in a second. So at the end of the game, they ended up being the LA Rams by one point. And at the end, the, the camera men were like panning across the audience and there were grown men weeping in the stands because their team finally won. They have been diehard fans really following, hint, hint, the Detroit Lions for literally their entire lives. They had stuck with them through the low, low, low seasons, and now they had finally arrived. And then they won again this last weekend. Wouldn't it be awesome to see them in the Super Bowl? Now contrast that with Kansas City right now. Y'all, the bandwagon is real when it comes to the Chiefs. It's all because of one person, Taylor Swift. My wife's gonna kill me for this illustration because she's a Swifty, but you know it's for the gospel because of her relationship with Travis Kelsey, now a bunch of people, including my wife, who didn't even know who Travis Kelsey was before, are all of a sudden Chiefs fans. That my friend is the definition of a bandwagoner. If and when they ever break up, because they, let's be honest, they might break up. Listen, we'll have counseling here for all of you when it happens, okay? It'll be difficult. I'm just curious to see how many of these new Kansas City Chiefs fans stick around to cheer for their team. I literally saw some sort of ad or something on my Instagram, which I don't even know about. I think probably from this illustration it thinks I want to read this. It knows my brain. But it literally was like what, how where Taylor Swift gets her Kansas City clothes. Like it had nothing to do with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's dumb. What Jesus is inviting us into is a stick with him through thick and thin and walk with him through the wins and losses of life. You know why people are obsessed with the chiefs right now? Because it's new and shiny. It seems appealing, right? Everyone loves the chiefs because everybody loves Taylor Swift, right? What Jesus is inviting you to is is into a deep actual relationship with him where you learn through hardship, where you grow through good times and bad times, how to be a disciple. The challenge is to do that. You and I can't just be spectators. We must be followers. So Jesus invites you not to be a spectator, but to actually follow him in every area of life. This is going to result in a heart transformation, in a mental transformation, in a life obedience transformation. And so I want you to grasp here with this first point. This is so key. If you don't, like the next three weeks, if you tune out from everything else, please key in right here. Christianity is not merely about information transfer, but it's about life restoration and transformation. Christianity is not merely about information transfer. It is about life transformation and restoration. Now, does information play a part in that? Absolutely, it does. Does learning play a part in that? Absolutely, it does. But if that's where your Christianity ends, you're missing out on the invitation that Jesus is actually giving you, which is to walk with him through the wins and the losses, through the challenges, through the successes. He's inviting us into a life of being transformed by the gospel. But that necessitates us not being a spectator, but leaning in and actually following him. Which leads me to my second thing, which is deny yourself and live. Deny yourself and live. Let's look back at verse 23 again. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus starts here with an interesting phrase, doesn't he? Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross now to us the idea of a cross is memorialized right like it's this good thing that we put on necklaces or some of you might be wearing a cross necklace right now or we put it in stained glass in a church or I don't know it's used as like a background and you know worship videos or something I don't know they're used a lot of places but in that time they would have not viewed the cross that way at all The cross was a symbol of suffering and pain of death. The cross was a Roman execution tool that was an extremely brutal way to die. It would be the equivalent if you came in here tonight and I said, hey, whoever wants to follow Jesus, take up your electric chair and follow me. Here's your electric chair necklace, your electric chair, Christian lyric videos. How many of you would be signing up for that, right? Many of you will be wondering when the Kool-Aid is coming because it's going to sound like a cult. I'm not David Koresh. What is Jesus actually saying here, though? This is definitely not winning any marketing awards. Jesus is saying that following him will not be the path of least resistance or instant gratification. Following him will not, let me say this again, be the path of least resistance or instant gratification, at least not in this life. Following Jesus is going to mean resistance from the world because they hated him and therefore will hate us. Following Jesus will mean not choosing to be satisfied with sin that is before you and denying yourself of things that are against God's will for your life. Following necessitates sacrifice. Following necessitates self-denial. But then Jesus follows this up with even a weirder statement, that in order to save your life, you must lose it. In order to, if you lose your life, it's because you tried to save it. It's an odd way to say things, isn't it? I think the best way to explain what Jesus is talking about here might be to use a medical illustration. You're really getting it all tonight. Football, classes, medical. People have limbs amputated um, to prevent infection from spreading around the body, don't they? Maybe from an accident or an infection starting. Um, I'm not a nurse, but I feel like that's how amputations work. Jesus is giving us the same option here. We all have an infection that has poisoned our body and has caused brokenness to spread over all of our lives. And that poison is the poison of sin. we can choose to to keep that a part of our life and save that part of our life, but it's going to result in our death. It's gonna result in judgment. Or we can put to death the things of the flesh, the sin that is in our life and experience life in Jesus. So in other words, the sin that is in your life, you can deny yourself and cut that part out. And follow wholly after the Lord. Now there's an important distinction that needs to be made here. Okay, um, If you've never followed Jesus before, never surrendered your life to him, this is like your next step. is to surrender yourself to him and repent of your sin and follow after him. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that that phrase, if you confess Jesus as Lord, that means you are now devoting wholly yourself to the Lord and turning away from the sin of your life. You are denying yourself and losing your life in order to save it. You're having that limb amputated that will result in life. But if we're not careful, even as believers, what we tend to do is we see the sin laying there, put to death, we reach down, we pick it back up and try to reattach it. Is that how amputations work? No. You see, Jesus has set us free from those things. So even as Christians now, We deny ourselves of our fleshly desires because we have chosen life over death. Some of you here tonight, you've already begun to experience the negative effects of allowing this poison to reign in your body. Whether you've been pursuing relationship after relationship after relationship and experience after experience after experience. And now you feel the emptiness that comes from that or you've been chasing status and accomplishment and making an A in concepts of calculus, um, and you realize, hey, those feelings are actually quite fleeting. I just wanna encourage you tonight. Jesus is here for you. Jesus is here for you and he is offering us a new way to live. It does mean that the old you dies, but what it's replaced with is so much greater. There's an important distinction that Jesus makes here that, yes, this happens in salvation, but for us as believers, this is a daily decision to daily deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You might say, well, we've got grace. Can't we just do whatever we want? Paul says, what shall we say then? Should we go on continue sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin continue to live in it any longer? So Jesus is offering you a new way of life, but it will require denial of yourself. And in the end, you gain life. And to be honest, even in the now, you get to experience eternal life. Which leads me to my third point, which is to count the cost of this decision. Count the cost of this decision. We get to this point here of there's really two potential paths that are laid out before us. The first path is just to continue on in the flesh and to choose to save your life and it will result in you losing it. Or to choose to lose your life for the sake of Christ and it will result in your life being saved. So I think it's only fair to look at both of these things, both of these ways of life and to ask what is actually going to happen in these things. So and look at verse 25 with me. Verse 25 says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? So let's talk about the path of the world just for a moment. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Let's be brutally honest. You can choose to go your own way, seek the things you want, do the things you wanna do, get the job, the money, the relationships, etc., and you can gain the whole world. You can Experience anything you want. You can be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do. You could gain enough worldly gain that literally you never deny yourself of anything. There's nothing in your life that the world would see as imperfect because of how much gain you have experienced. You could literally, from a fleshly perspective, have anything you could ever want. And I love Jesus's honesty here. Because he doesn't say, if you don't don't follow me, you'll be poor. Some people, some teachers might say, if you follow Jesus, he's going to make you rich and wealthy and healthy. It's actually not what Jesus says at all here. He's quite honest that, hey, look, you could gain the whole world by going your own way. You could literally, from a fleshly perspective, have everything you want. And if we're brutally honest tonight, I think where many of us sit at the stage of life we're in, that looks appealing, doesn't it? It looks appealing to have that kind of life. And I get it, it does. But we need to consider and look back at those who have gone before us and see what they have to say about a life like that. One of those that we see in scripture is King Solomon, who literally from a fleshly perspective had anything anyone could ever want. But you know what he said about those things? It was like trying to chase after the wind, to try to find satisfaction in the world was like trying to chase after the wind. And I don't know how many of you have tried to chase after the wind recently, but you can't do it. Please don't try to chase after the wind. That's not, you don't do that. Solomon said that. Jesus' response was, hey, if you gain the whole world because you chose not to follow me, what good is it really? Because in the end you lose your soul. So you can chase after the world, take your chances, but I think we all know if we're actually honest tonight that that path, even on this side of it, is not going to deliver the results that we think it will. So then there's another path that's offered to us and that's the path of being a disciple, of actually following Jesus. This is giving our whole lives to Jesus, surrendering everything to him, viewing our life as a blank check and saying, God, whatever you want from me, I am yours. Whatever you would have me do, whatever goals you would have me set, whatever habits you want me to live, whatever job you want me to do, whatever place you want me to reside, my life is no longer my own. I have lost it for the sake of knowing you and having life with you. Now, the invitation to come under this type of rule and reign of Jesus, if you've never really been in church before, might not sound appealing until you really understand who this Jesus is, that the one who calls you to this type of submission was the one who loved you enough to go and die in your place and purchase your freedom, to pursue you while you were still in sin, and he loves you. He loves me too much to allow us to stay in the muck in the mire of the very sin that he rescued us from. So sure, yes, Jesus is calling you to complete surrender to him, a complete revoking of all of your rights and giving them to him. But it's in that that we actually find true freedom. So I guess my question is, if we look down both of these paths tonight, which costs do we wanna pay? Which cost do we want to pay? Because both of these paths cost. One is the cost of self-denial and resistance to our flesh and the things of this world. One path is complete enjoyment and doing whatever you want to do. But one path leads to life and one leads to death. Which one do you want to walk down? One will constantly take from you one will constantly be faithful to you and trustworthy to you. One is seeking to give your soul and one is seeking to give you life. So here's where we're kind of kind of wrap it up tonight. The invitation really is open to all of us. Jesus is saying, if any of you would want to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That's the invitation that is given to each of us. The question is, are we gonna take Jesus up on that invitation? Are we gonna take him up on the question of, will you come and follow me? So for some of you here, you've, you've never done that before. You've never given your life to Jesus and followed him and turned away from your sin. Your next step tonight is to leave behind your old way of living and surrender to the rule and reign of Jesus in your life. And if you don't know what that looks like, you don't know how to do that, I would just encourage you, grab me or Paul um, tonight before you leave, and we would love to chat with you about what that looks like. Um, But for those of you who are already followers of Jesus, I just have this question. Are, Are you and I making the daily decision to die to ourselves and walk in the way of Jesus? We get into this Mode of living if we're not careful where we compartmentalize our Christian walk where this is like a class you attend on Tuesday nights and it doesn't have any actual effect on how we live our lives. There's no daily walk with the Lord. Jesus invites you into something so much greater than just coming and facing one direction this way and this is the only hymn you get all week. He invites you into an on-the-job training of learning how to walk with him and help others learn to walk with him. And what's so cool is that is actually how he designed us to walk from the very beginning. That's the invitation he gives to all of you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of the mistakes you've made, Jesus has pursued you and offered you that invitation. So I'm gonna pray for us and then uh, we'll talk about something else. Father, thank you for pursuing me and my sin, for displaying your love through that uh, faithful, faithful pursuit. But God, what you call us into is not like uh, an addition onto our life. Uh, What you call us into is a complete upheaval of everything we are and laying it at your feet and completely surrendering to you. So Father, I pray for myself and for my friends that as we talk about this the next few weeks, that we would do that. That we would look at everything that is before us, our school, our relationships our jobs, our money, our time. And we would look at all of those things and say, God, it is yours. Because Father, in that losing of life, we actually find life. Father, we thank you for what you've done here tonight. We thank you for the worship and your word. Father, help us to be doers of it and not simply hearers. We pray this in your son's name, amen.